welcome. Uh, we Drew, we don't have a name for this show yet. Uh, so here's what I was going to propose. I did not talk to Drew about this in advance. Uh, this is probably a very bad idea, but uh, go ahead and throw in the comments. Throw in the comments or on InsideTexas.com. Let us know what you think we should name this show. I feel very strongly that this is going to lead to disaster, but it could be a very, a very beautiful disaster. This is, for all intents and purposes, uh, intents and purposes, Inside Texas's show with Drew, sponsored by InsideTexas.com. This is an opportunity for us to get a player's perspective on what's happening uh, currently and some history about what all these things are like uh, in terms of in terms of the experience of a player. So without further ado, let's just get into the big news of the week, Drew. We've got uh, we've got a new coach. The D-line coach has been hired. We're rounding out the defensive staff. I think everybody would love to know your thoughts on that. Well, no, I played with Frank Ocam and Rod Wright, and so I had several opinions and thoughts about <laughs> what it would look like for them to be the D-line coaches at Texas. Right. But at the end of the day, I am not a D-line coach expert, so I'm not going to pretend <laughs> to know uh, Kenny Baker uh, prior to coming to Texas, but I'm excited. I'm excited about the hire. Um I'm excited about it because of where he comes from. Uh, he comes from the, from from Miami Dolphins, where Vic Fangio was the D line was the defensive coordinator on a great defense. Uh, and Ian actually wrote a piece this week, kind of diving into schematically uh, what they were required to do with Miami and how it aligns with much of what we do with PK. And so, being able to have a coach that usually on the D line you don't have expectations of someone coming in with schematic experience. Mm. Uh, they come in with recruiting experience and maybe they've developed players in a different scheme, but when it aligns schematically and what we're looking for, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what upside we have with him moving forward. Yeah. One of the things I noticed, and this is, this is traditional Texas fandom and I certainly fall into that category, but just, you know, the sky is falling a little bit when Bo leaves and then, you know, for whatever reason, it's not working out with Rod. Things are are falling to the wayside a little bit. People are getting a little bit scared. And one of the things I'd love to remind our fandom, uh, specifically those that love the University of Texas like we do, is we've got three people on the defensive staff, including the defensive coordinator, our new linebackers coach, and now Coach Baker, that have all coached D-line. They all have extensive D-line experience. So that is actually an area I am not worried about at all just given the brain to trust in that room. But you're someone that's gone through a coaching change. I mean, your sophomore year, you went through a coaching change. What, what does that look like as a player? Um, maybe you could, maybe you could talk about it specifically through maybe the lens of what one of our young guys is experiencing, maybe like an Anthony Hill. Yeah. I, I remember Gene Chizik came in the so the spring before my sophomore year. And so, Having a new D coordinator, uh, we had lost Coach Robinson the year before. Um, I played linebacker my freshman year, so I was moving back to defense, playing safety for in a defense and for a coach in general, a defensive coordinator who didn't recruit me, but um, I had to make an impression. And so, but that same coach is the coach responsible for moving me from DB uh, to linebacker, uh, Coach Chiz. And so. He saw something that spring and moved me. And so I do think when a new coach comes in, uh, you're learning new techniques, you're learning new drills. Uh, the, but the main thing you want a player to want or to have or desire from that new coach 
is to be challenged. There probably is a natural desire to feel as though, hey, I want to impress this coach. I want to be this coach's leader. I want to be the guy who does the drills right for this coach. Um, I want to stand out. So Anthony Hill Jr., I'm actually excited for him because while he gained a ton of experience last year and some coaching last year that I think is going to carry over into this new season, he gets to learn completely different traits, skills, drills, uh, and get challenged in a new way. So anytime you can show that you can handle those challenges, handle tough coaching, but also be flexible enough uh, to both lead and uh, adjust on the fly, it sets an example. And so the sooner this happens, especially earlier in his career, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about what Anthony Jr., Anthony Hill, uh, just to hear about how he adjusted this this year as a leader, as well as David Benda and those guys. I think we have a strong core group. Uh, coming back, even, you know, with losing Jalen Ford. So just excited about the energy that's going to be in that room, both from a player development standpoint and taking those next steps and from how they adjust to some schematic adjustments I imagine we'll have this year. And I know you were switching back to defense, so there's there's going to be a learning curve there anyway. But for somebody that's already on the defense, you know, they've gone through their freshman year that, that you know, learning by way of a fire hose, just getting everything, you know, into your brain as quick as you can. And then you've got a new guy. I mean, how much, if at all, do you see any kind of scheme changing or is it all going to be based on technique and application of that scheme? Well, one thing that, that has been consistent over the last couple of years is, is anytime Sark assesses his defense, he assesses a need, you know, if we weren't good on third down defense, we weren't good on tackling. Like there's certain things that were basics, but, he addresses what the needs are in the offseason, whether through schematic uh, changes in the defense and what's being called or in the way that the talent is being deployed, deployed. So that means are you playing press coverage, off coverage, are your backers more in coverage or are they blitzing more? You know, are they coming downhill? So there's all those different types of things that can be tweaked uh, when you're going through uh, that process of, of, of bringing in the coach schematically. But the main thing is, as fans, because I'm both a fan and former player, so I have this both this empathy, but also this this uncertainty and this blindness, this blindness that comes into what it's going to look like. Um, we say we want change. Uh, we want changes on defense. We want adjustments on defense. And so in order to make those adjustments and get better, sometimes we have to change people out. And so right. this is the first season where we're actually going to have some defensive coaches switching out. And so. While that brings some uncertainty, frankly, that brings some excitement for me because we have a new new eyes looking at a new lens. And frankly, those coaches are also looking at a different level of college athlete in certain ways compared to maybe college athletes they've coached most recently, uh, both at Nansen at Arizona um, and, and with, with Kenny Baker being at, at Western Kentucky, I believe, prior to that. So having those coaches come in and see our talent and be able to impart some different viewpoints, perspectives, and knowledge on how we can deploy it, it should be exciting for us and not something that we should be fearful of. Uh, we should be very excited about what they bring to the table. I think that's also one of the things that makes college football so amazing is, is the fact that you never have the same team twice, right? It's it, You're changing every year. Kids are leaving. There's matriculation. They're now with the transfer portal. Things are moving. So you're, you're never really ever going into a season with the same team that you had last year. And I think I think the point you bring up about having fresh eyes 
is really uh, a great way to look at that because, you know, losing those interior linemen uh, that obviously NHL, NFL, NHL, there you go. That tells you my history. NFL talent uh, will give you, you know, give you some challenges, obviously, because you have to replace those players. But we've got guys on the roster that are going to be learning from this NFL coach. And I think that's, that's an exciting prospect for them. How much, when you have a coach come in and you know he's got some NFL experience, what, I mean, this may be an obvious question, but what kind of cachet does he bring to the locker room for those guys? Cachet is something that I'll say is, while we love the word and we love the excitement, everyone appreciates like on the surface, cachet is usually tied to things on the surface. He's an NFL coach. He gets it. Um, what does he bring? You know, this is where we all want to go. So when he's coming down to the college level or to the college level, he'll know what it looks like. Um, but I think it's more than that. I, I, we just lost to Vondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. So we're going to look different in so many different ways. They set a standard that the players have watched on film for an entire year of what really, really, really great looks like on the defensive line. But now he's coming from a place where he's seen the standard on an incredibly good defense and been a part of that throughout the entire season. So when it comes to standards and when it comes to expectations, I think he's going to hold these players to those same standards and expectations, but they should also be expected to be held to those standards that are set by the players that have left before but also set by players that are in the NFL. He's used to seeing what really, really good looks like. So that's why I say it goes beyond cachet. Yeah. And it really, there's a lot of meat and potatoes into when it goes into building the strength, the, the stamina, the endurance for an entire season, uh, both in mental preparation and what it looks like, but also obviously the physical preparation and what it looks like. So I think we actually have a coach that's going to help us maintain that standard. And it may not look the same way as it did last year, but I trust he knows what great looks like. And our players should have the expectation that they're going to have to follow suit on that. This was also a topic that came up on the round table yesterday. And I think one thing that we didn't talk about is just Paul mentioned it, but just kind of his general disposition seems to be someone that's a little bit more laid back. And while I appreciate you know, Hard Knocks is a heavily curated and, you know, edited show. That room, that building, that Miami Dolphins building seems very unique to me, just in terms of professional sports and the way that there seems to be a very specific and calculated effort to make it a player's building. It's about the players. And I, I'm excited for that uh, with these college kids coming uh, and being coached by coach Baker, because I think, you know, any interview you see with PK, I mean, it's, he's a fired up guy, but he looks like he just woke up from a nap. I mean, the guy is very, very chill. I mean, he is, he's the antithesis from coach boom, just in terms of like what he's bringing in terms of that level of energy. So what does do, do, do players really like match the energy of their coaches or is that, is that really on the coach just to kind of build up whatever the player already has? Can you speak to that a little bit? First, I do think 
you you build up what the player already has. I mean, right. At the end of the day, every coach, regardless of his personality or his energy, his job is to get the most out of a player and light a player on fire. Like uh, there are players who are just who are just matches. There are players who are just sparks. You want players to stay on fire. And every coach has a different disposition, but also uh, they wouldn't be coaching if they didn't have that passion and didn't have that courage, frankly, to to challenge players to 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 in a way that will light that fire. So I do think regardless of the persona of a coach, I mean, every player, you want them to be lit on fire regardless. But in certain ways, you want them to regress towards a mean, right? Be average on maybe a coach is more stoic. So they want they want their players to stay even killed. And so even if a coach is more stoic, that players or even the, even though he's making those players or encouraging or coaching those players to play on fire, they stay within themselves. They stay in the moment. They stay engaged. They stay locked in. Uh, but then you have coaches that are far more rowdy uh, in certain ways, far more expression, expressive. Uh, and so sometimes that can peel off into players. But usually the primary goal is to make sure players play on fire. And the culture at Miami is great because Yes, it allows players to yes be a play be in the players coach. It's not that it just allows players to do what they want to do. It really puts the onus on players to be accountable and responsible for their own development, preparation and commitment. So, for example, with me, when I finished college, you know, everyone's like, "Oh man, it must have been a ton of hard work." You know, you had to wake up and do 6 a.m. morning workouts. Uh, you have to you have to go to class. You had to uh, do extra here and there. I mean, there's all these things people say, you know, it must have been really hard. You're an incredibly disciplined person. And then I finished college and you go out and get in the workforce and you realize you're less disciplined when you don't have the choice. Right. Sure. Uh, right. Yeah. I didn't have a choice but to show up at a 6 a.m. workout. Right. I didn't have a choice but to show up to class. And so you learn really quickly. Uh, the sooner players in college become a player's team, a player-led team, you realize, okay, the players are choosing for themselves that they're going to wake up and work hard and hold themselves accountable. The coaches want to have those rules and those expectations, and obviously there's going to be consequences if they don't show up, but you don't want that to be like pulling teeth with players. You want players who want it. You want players who want to show up first and want to be there as long and as late as they need to be but they're really fully dialed in. And so I think when coaches allow players to be led by each other, they take more ownership and it, it feeds off of itself. It begins to grow. You begin to believe in yourself, believe in your teammates, and you create a culture of accountability, a culture of expectation, and a culture of competition. Because you know, as a player, the further you push, the further the players around you are going to push. And so you're resetting a standard and it's a higher standard every day. Right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'd love to let's let's take this opportunity and it is an opportunity to uh, ask you to like and subscribe to Inside Texas Football's YouTube channel. It does help us a lot. We've got a very modest goal of getting to 6000 and we're pretty close, to be honest with you. Um, if you could hit that like and subscribe button, that really goes a long way to helping Drew and I justify our time away from our families. Let's talk a little bit, Drew, about 
offseason workouts because that's where we are now, right? We're in the middle of we're in the middle of that time of being away from football, football and and building toward football prowess. So what is that like? I mean, is it I know Eric did a great job. There's an article on InsideTexas.com about what the players are going through, but I'd love to hear really your experience about that. What are what is off season like for you? I didn't know it while I was playing, but it's the most important time of the year. It is the absolute most important time of the year for development, for physical development and stamina and, and conditioning, because you're going to compete in the spring. Spring practices are harder usually than any other practices you have throughout the year. Fall practices are, are tough, but you get some breaks as you manage yourself going into the season. And then during the season, you don't have as many tough, tough, tough practices where you're challenged to 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 a further extent. Spring is where you go hard. Uh, it just is. And so but how do you prepare to compete and go hard if you're not stretching yourself right now in these workouts? So mm-hmm. right now, Tory Becton is he's challenging these guys. Uh, they are going to get pressed. They are going to get stretched. But that's the only way. That's the only way to get conditioned. That's the only way to get stronger. And that's the only way to get mentally tougher. So you want to stretch these guys to to levels of fatigue that some of them have experienced, but you just and some don't. But you just definitely want to stretch them because they are going to compete in the spring. And so it starts now. And and anyone who has a chance in the spring uh, to compete on the depth chart, to compete on special teams, to compete as a young player, your conditioning starts now. Uh, And so this is the most critical time of the year for that. When you were going through it, how bespoke are these workouts for you? Obviously, there's going to be some some standards that are set, but you know, presumably they're looking at a player and saying, like, look, we need some more hip mobility, we need some more um whatever the specifics may be. How how bespoke do these workouts get in the offseason? Or is it really just team building? Team building is kind of built into the fabric of, of every part of the season and off season. So okay. that, that doesn't stop no matter what. Now I will say with the, you know, it feels like a record number of early enrollees and with the portal team building is critical just because these guys need to get connected with each other. Um, now, when you're recruiting players, you usually have time over the season to, to get to know them to where they know the players on the team and they're they have months that they're waiting as commits just waiting to get on campus but when it comes to guys in the portal i mean they're coming in to compete they're coming in expected to to add value immediately so you want to get those guys incorporated too and have them understand the culture uh, but yes if you're a defensive lineman during this time of year and you tend to play higher this is the time of year where you work on playing with a lower center of center of gravity you get stronger in those deeper hip where, where you need to work on your flexibility and stronger in more flexible and athletic positions than you were before the same thing goes for running backs if you run a bit high you know you want to have a lower center of gravity uh, if you're a quarterback you're working on the torque uh there's so many little nuances that that you do get a chance to work on and so um you know you do your flip you do your footwork you do your your standard drills that you go through but you want to do them more efficiently more effectively and with more explosion with more explosion and this is the time of the year where you can actually stretch and push and challenge players in the weight room you want them getting stronger because you can't get explosive without strength 
So you really want everyone to anchor in and lock down and build on their, their baseline strength this time of year so that they can get that functional, functional mobility with explosiveness. But it all starts with strength at the core and then building explosion throughout there. And now this is the time of year to do it. That's awesome. Well, thanks, Drew. I, I don't have anything more for you today. Do you have anything more for the people today? This is a this is our little Sunday chat. It's not it's we're going to go however long we need to go. And today I feel like we went as long as we needed to go. No, no, no. That, that's it for me. That's it for me. I do know uh, probably in the next couple of weeks, I want to take a diver, deeper dive just into some players specifically yeah. that maybe we've forgotten about that. I think this will be a, a really exciting offseason for them to see how they develop and, and, and progress. You know, you have Colton Vosick. Um, who knows? We hadn't heard his name. Didn't see him right. play last year, but a physical specimen we want to see. Uh, guys like Sadir Mitchell, we want to see him get into condition and see how much he, we, he can be stretched this offseason, as well as guys like Derek Williams, who didn't do a spring with us last year. So I'm excited to see with guys like that. And so over the next several weeks leading up to spring, uh, probably just looking to different guys we, we we're excited about and going to be keeping an eye on. So, yeah, just looking forward to it. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your Sunday. We really appreciate it. And please do check out InsideTexas.com. It is only a dollar for one month, so you can't really beat that deal. Let us earn your business. Let's see let's see how you like this wonderful community that we've built over there. We've got Drew contributing and a whole slew of really in-depth, intelligent uh, University of Texas news. And obviously, like and subscribe here if you can. Let us know in the comments what you think we should call this show. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. We'll see about that. <laughs>